Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, episode 132 of the Lana Vienna Street podcast. It's been two weeks since we last spoke to you, so we have loads of Bolton Wanderers-related disappointments to discuss. And joining me this evening is a man who can clear a concourse on a away day with his bare hands like Moses parting the Red Sea. It's Mr. <laughs> James Jarvis. How are we, mate? Uh, you're never going to forget that day at Wigan, are you? <laughs> Uh, I'm try- I've been trying to forget most of the events at Wigan, but that is one that certainly sticks in the memory, mate. It was, it was the most <laughs> impressive thing I've ever seen. Bolton I think you're going to have to elaborate on this, boys. What? Come on, fill us in. James, you want to say it or shall I, from my perspective? Uh, we'll, we'll go from your perspective. It'll probably be more interesting. <laughs> uh, obviously, you don't do a ways, Chris, but um, as you can imagine, the youth uh, who support Bolton Wanderers are not exactly the most pleasant people to be around on a concourse. And when James and I got stuck trying to get a pint and then trying to go back to our seats afterwards, uh, he put his arms out, he pushed side to side, and he basically parted about 20 or so youth to basically build a path for us to get back to our seats. It was one of the most impressive feats of human strength I think I've ever seen. Wow, fair play. Indeed. <laughs> Very useful Especially to have as a deterrent. I don't think that would happen in this sort of coronavirus world in which we're living in now. I think you'd be well clear staying away from some of those spots it like. Yeah, they are they are some of the worst aspects of being a Bolton Wanderers fan for sure, and you know I was going to introduce you, Chris, but you've already already introduced yourself. I, I had a nice thing lined up for you, or whatever, as a full time WWE enthusiast in Moonlights as a Wanderers fan. How are you, how are you doing? I'm I'm a full time everything, anything you want me to be. I'm just glad he didn't lump me in with disappointments like he did poor James. <laughs> he stepped into the void with the tech support on the podcast, and then that's that's the thanks he gets. So I'm great, thank you, mate. I. Uh, refreshed and, and back at it this morning at work after a weekend away with the missus so yeah life is good that sounds like a much more fun use of your time than watching Bolton Wanderers certainly. definitely well uh, since we last spoke we've seen Bolton in action three times and with fairly similar results to the last week that we covered before uh, we lost 1-0 in a shockingly dull game away at MK Dons uh, suffered last minute hard break beside the seaside at Blackpool and took a point at home against the Giants of Aki Stanley. I know you were impressed with that result, James, according to your match ratings anyway. Um, but we talked last week at length about Keith Hill and his struggles at the Bolton Helm. And this week, fan opinion seems to have hit rock bottom, hasn't it, James? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can totally understand why. I mean, just looking at the record, what is it, like two wins in 18 games since since the end of October or something like that? It, it, it makes for it's very horrible. unpleasant reading. <laughs> No, it's been absolutely awful, and and I think we're all we've made it very clear that we're all sort of hill out uh, at this point. So I won't dwell on that uh, for fear of repeating myself. But this week we've seen the issue of his management addressed in the mainstream media as well. You know, not just by ourselves for once, and also by Hill himself. He was answering questions on his future. At what point, Chris, do you think FB are going to swing the axe? Um, yeah, I mean we're in the same boat, aren't we? As we were last week. Granted, we took a point against Accrington on Saturday, but we're, we're no further closer to survival and I would argue probably no further closer to understanding whether he's got a particular plan in mind for next season already, either with the personnel or with the style of football that we're playing. Um, I've said it before, I think that they should uh, they should wield the axe, he should lose his job. I think his performance has been has been poor, regardless of the, the, the constraints and the circumstances in which he's found himself. Whether that will be that will, will happen... I'm still dubious. Um, obviously, there's a bit of hot rumours doing the rounds that he's been given a, like a football manager-style three games or you're out kind of ultimatum, which time will tell if that's that's true or not. Um, I think I'd like to hope it's true because not only does it mean he might have to book his ideas up, but it shows that, that the Football Ventures guys are starting to be 
you know, to, to be more decisive because obviously their investment is entirely predicated on us being elsewhere than in League Two. Uh, and if we do have to go down, be there for the, the shortest possible time. So hopefully this is a sign of things starting to, 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 to turn a little bit. Um, whether that'll be with Hill in charge or not, I guess, is another matter. This is the issue, I think. We've been talking about um, Hill and I think Football Ventures have sort of used him as a mouthpiece to sort of try and hide behind. And in fairness, they don't seem to have much football knowledge and therefore not necessarily sure how these things work. I remember Mark was saying on the buff how he was sort of accustomed to Premier League, how they were running the club. And you seem to have a bit more hands-on approach from the ownership where they do deal with you know these issues like this, which have been going on for some time now. James, you mentioned the poor record of you know two wins in 18 games. So do we think that Football Ventures are sort of hiding behind him and maybe we're being a bit too harsh when perhaps there's constraints that we don't know about, James? Uh, possibly to some degree. Um, but then again, if they're using him as a mouthpiece, that might suggest that there is some good amount of communication, at least between them two, which is probably more than Parkinson ever got under the Anderson regime. So at least there's, at least there's something good on that front. But uh, it's, that, it's that whole case. Do we really want to know as much about the back room as possible because um, I know I know Chris you always made that argument we don't really need to know everything about what happens behind the scenes mm-hmm. and I'd argue kind of similar here that uh, maybe in the su- maybe in the summer they can start to address some of the things because that's when Hill's rolling contract in a sense runs out so that's probably when they can make their managerial decision and but, but are we Ryan, sure of that? Are we sure that that's the contract that he's under? Because I, I, I wasn't sure I think, of that. I think, Mike, I think Mike's confirmed that now to be a 12-month rolling contract, so it's up to them whether they renew it or not. But, uh, well, that, that's useful. That's certainly a much better situation than I anticipated. I thought we might be stuck with him regardless until the start of next season. Yeah, so that's why I don't really buy this three-game ultimatum rumour that's been going around, But because it, I don't think it would make much sense from, from a financial aspect. But then again... If you want to be football owners, I suppose you have to make that decision sometimes. But uh, back on track about Fe using him as a mouthpiece, uh, I, I I can sort of see why, and maybe he's maybe because maybe he doesn't fully understand, or he just phrased it poorly. Maybe we're not getting the full sense of what we're doing, or maybe they're just telling him something, but behind the scenes they're thinking something else. It's it's really hard to say from that front, but. I'd definitely say, at the very least in the summer, we should hear something about them, just so we as fans at least know what what we can expect going into League Two next season. No, absolutely. I'd, I'd like them to either come out and back him or to make a decision and get rid. This, this silence is deafening at this point. That's why I don't really understand about it. And we've had a question on Twitter from Philip Shortland who says, Hill is clearly struggling with media. Why doesn't the director of football or the team of advisors we now employ support him with this and leave him to coach the side? Chris, do you think that would be a better use of his time to try and actually keep him out on the training pitch rather than in front of the camera, which is clearly irritating people left, right and centre? Mm, I mean, you don't hire Keith Hill and, and then be surprised when he starts coming out with all this garbage. I mean, he's done it his entire career. But as far as, I mean, that, that I presume by a director of football are talking about that Tobias guy. Yeah, I, I, guess that, I, I guess that, it, for me... I would expect that football ventures and they'll are constantly in dialogue behind the scenes, and, and no, not once do I expect them to come out in public and say anything that's going to undermine the manager while he's in the job. It's just not going to happen. And I, I can only imagine that the, the lack of clarity on the, the structure and on the way that things are operating is either, either because a, it's not been sorted out yet and not been defined, and that's what they're working on at the moment, and b, you know, is it any of our? 
I, I in fact I know the answer to that question already. It is our it is our business. I was going to say is it any of the fans' business what the football structure is? It is the fans' business, of course it is. But at the same time, is it something that that we desperately need to know? I think at times of in times of crisis, there's always going to be something that someone's going to point a finger at. Someone might come out and say, "Well, the goalkeeper's shit." Someone might come out and say, "Oh, the kit's rubbish." Someone might come out and say, "Well, it's because the wrong beers on at sale at halftime." There's always going to be something in a time of crisis that individuals are going to point out as being the, the fundamental problem, and it just so happens to be at the moment that picking on this lack of clarity as to what the football operational side of things looks like is quite a, an interesting topic of discussion. Into it. it's better than it is a or b football player actually worth it for us at this time. So. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I think I can see why you guys would want that sort of clarity and I could see why other fans would think that that, that was important. Not quite as important to me, I think. I've been far too, um, become far too jaded by the Anderson era of, of, of dropping his, his messages every few weeks that certain elements of the fan base lap up. Um, certain, certain ones view him with a little bit more cynicism and I just don't want to get back to that personally. I'd rather he'll be talking on the pitch. Um, which he's been struggled with in his time so far, I think it's fair to say, and let the let the business people get on with running the business. That's just the thing. I mean, we're, we're very, very clear on the fact that we don't want an Anderson situation, notes from the chairman, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe this is an overcorrection to the other extreme of, you know, complete and utter radio silence, which I don't think is particularly beneficial either. And I think there would be some merit in them coming out and explaining I think there would have been some merit in January, for example, to come out and make it obvious to us that there wasn't funding available or they didn't think that we had a realistic enough chance of staying up, that they were going to make funding available to really, really try and have a go at it. Because they didn't. You know, you could see that from the signings that we brought in, um, including one signing who's not even kicked a ball for us yet and probably was the most expensive one of the lot. But, you know, I was going to say, in terms of signings, at the start of the season, we brought in those nine or ten players do you think, James, that we sort of punched above our weight and that might cost us going into next season in terms of having a, a smaller budget? Because I, I can't imagine that bringing in the likes of Bridcut, Verlinden, Hobbs, etc. was cheap. It probably wouldn't have been cheap, but at the time, there was still that there was still that aim to try and stay up. It was still within the realms of possibility. So I can understand why they take that gamble, because even if it's not by much, there is more money to be made in League One than there has been in League Two. So it... It was probably worth a gamble at the time. Maybe in hindsight, it what it wasn't now, but at the time, it was definitely within the realms of possibility. So I can totally understand why they did it. But, would Would you have gone again in January and maybe had a similar kind of go, or do you think it was dead? Maybe after the Burton game. It it's hard it's hard to say really because I think we were just so desperate for bodies at that time. So so maybe not. I'd say. I think I think in a in a way they had the right idea, especially because in, in January it's even harder to get players, especially when about half of the players we signed in September had cancelled their contracts when they knew what their situation was at their clubs at that time. So no, it it pro I would say I think they made the right move. I don't think though that they got enough players in to get that strategy of looking towards next season. In my opinion, I think there was too many loanies, too many loanies brought in that we don't really have a realistic chance of signing for next season. The likes of Nciala and Fleming and all that sort of stuff. I don't think so. I don't think they did enough, but I think they went the right right approach. Chris, do you think that was similar? Because for me, I don't really see us having <clears throat> improved a lot 
And there seemed to be an executive decision taken that we weren't going to renew Earl or Wright or Bridcut, which are probably the higher-end low knees. Mm. But the one that never... really rankles with me and probably rankles with you too is the replacement uh, of Chickson with Fleming. And I don't really feel as though we back, we did particularly well for ourselves there, especially when Chickson could possibly have come down and done a job for us in League Two. Yeah, I'm I'm not as, as disappointed about that, I'll be honest. I don't think in my entire life I'll ever be upset about left and right backs. I just don't think they matter. In the grand scheme of things in football, it's it's sort of the position that you put the, the, the chubby kid in. It doesn't really matter. It's only a full-back. But um, I was looking earlier on, doing a little modicum of research for my podcast, you know, really taking it seriously. Um, and I was looking at the, Jan- that, Chris, the, January, the January-ins, and we signed six permanents, and we signed six loanies. So add that to the dozen or so, maybe 13 players that Hill brought in when he's joined in August. I mean, there's been a hell of a turnaround in the squad since the guy arrived. So there can be no um, doubts in my mind as to how Football Ventures have backed him. Because, I mean, these players aren't going to come in play and, and play for now. Uh, the only one of which, I guess, is, is, is coming in then, sort of, well, I suppose two will be, will be Buckley and, Tom, and Thomason, who haven't really made any sort of impact. I know Fowler's played here and there. Uh, but one for the future, you know, who knows? But... Position by position, I would double back on myself and, and agree that I don't think we have necessarily improved because to lose someone as influential on or off the pitch as, as Brid Cook, granted, Tom, I'm, I'm grateful for you not interjecting there, but he was no, clearly no, no. an influential and experienced guy behind the scenes who's been who's been round the block a few times and the fact that he's, he's swan straight into Lincoln and I'm pretty sure he was captain at weekends. He is, yeah. Um, just, just goes to show that the chap is no, you know, he's, he's no mug and he's obviously known to those in the game as being someone who can bring something to a dressing room. Um, Mellis, I'm not particularly having that that one. Delaney, not really impressed with him, to be honest. Brian had a good debut, but has been poor since. I think Fleming has been OK. I would probably rank him as maybe being the, the most successful out of the lot. Hamilton has, has been on a bit of a downward spiral since his debut, unfortunately. And then all, Hamilton has made this, me pine for Bridcut, Chris. That's how poor he's been. Yeah, well, there you go. That tells its own story. And this Tottenham lad, Price, you know, we'll probably see Daniel Sturridge playing for Wanderers again before we see this Tottenham lad turn out for us. So, yeah, I think overall, there's no doubt in it that the Hill's been backed and there's no doubt in that the squad has seen a massive turnaround. But has it always been positive? I'm not sure it has. I think that the lack of a realistic alternative to Daryl Murphy has cost us too because, granted, he's a fine goal poacher and he's been brilliant for us at times this season. But when he's off it, he's off it 100%. He's just, yeah, he can... Very, very capable of having an absolute stinker, that lad. Um, and that is probably the main disappointment in our recruitment um, in, in January because a, a realistic alternative to him would have lightened the load a little bit and would have maybe given the team a few different options, but we don't have that. No, I, I think maybe there was the idea of bringing Farl in to do that job, but I think they decided very, very quickly that the step up from the level of football that he was playing to the one that but, we play at now, just it was too big for him. Which, But who know, did? Who, who made that decision? Because, you know, if he's being purchased and being brought in by the director of football operations, then that's fine. But Hill hasn't used him. And, and so that then it, it, it creates debate in my mind about where that, how that hierarchy works, you know, who has the final say, because surely a director of football working in tandem with a manager is what you want, not working in opposition because otherwise you get to a position where you start having an imbalanced squad because one person wants a player, another person doesn't want a player. And then you get into somewhere like Hill making a point by deliberately not picking him and coming out in the paper and coming in the paper and saying that he's he's, he's 100% not ready. Well, another fine motivational masterclass from Keith there, but doesn't doesn't do the team any good. 
Well, we certainly won't do the team good now that Jack Cobb seems to be injured again and Johan Zuma came in and I thought in the Accrington game, James, he played quite well. But this is a man who Hill clearly doesn't back and now he might have to be a starting centre-half again. How do you see that going? I, uh, it, it's tough to say because I, I, I like Zuma, I do. He, he, he has his mistakes, but that's more down to an experience than just being a bit poo, kind of like Nciala is at times when he makes his mistakes. He has the experience. He doesn't have the inexperienced moniker holding him back. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what to think of that because um, if the if the director of football rates Zuma and is forcing Hill to play him, then that's that's one thing. Although, I've, although actually, to be fair, on the Zuma point, he did bring on Zuma instead of uh, Ryan Delaney, who he did bring in himself, so... The Ryan Delaney thing really mystifies me because he played a lot of games at Wimbledon and yet he came in and I'm not saying he looks like a world beater. He definitely does not look like a world beater. He looks like a you know a complete clogger at centre-half, but maybe that's what we need in League 2. But for the Hill to then say, and this is a kid that he knows and he gave his debut to at Rochdale, he's not ready to play at League 1 football level either. I mean, how to kill someone's confidence? He's already signed an 18-month contract, looked buzzing in the interview that he made afterwards, and then he's just kicked in the balls again by a guy who clearly doesn't know how to manage his own players. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. What does what does that say? <laughs> well, it's ridiculous. I think oh, it's one of those things that really, really rankles with me. I've, I've never understood how, um, a manager who's not able to um, what's the word man manages players. I've never understood it because surely that should be the bread and butter, the thing that separates a coach from the manager. You have to be have decent pastoral care, be able to understand what makes a player tick and how to get the best out of them. And all I can see from Hill thus far is that he keeps on kicking the boys while they're down. But you know. Yeah, you only care maybe, about maybe player welfare true. when it matters, though, lads. When, it, when, it, when it's to do with 16- and 17-year-olds in the team, that's the only time we seem to give a monkeys about it, when it suits us. Well, I suppose. We, we, we Don't get me wrong, we're, we're bound to be critical of people, but I've tried to give people a chance in, in the main. But uh, to, for someone who, who, who's just come into the club, this, this is the thing it is for me. It's not like established players. If you, you can go out and criticise your Jason Lowe's. Jeremy Matthews is the Luke Murphys of the game because they've been there, seen it and done it and then it's probably just going to wash over them. But these kids who are impressionable coming in, I, I feel as though the man management has been very, very poor and it's, it's going to come and bite us in the arse. I think it did with uh, with James Weir to a certain extent and I think Zuma has shown an incredible amount of uh, incredible amount of maturity to be able to deal with it. But you know, that, that, that's just my point. Um, we, we, sorry, talking about football ventures and thinking about whether or not we assess their time as a relative success or failure at this moment in time is probably difficult given the constraints. But one thing that they uh, set out to do at the start, or at least that seemed to be what they want, what Sharon Britton wanted to do, was sort of try and build us up from a grassroots level, going out into the community and you know try and make us a bit more of a, a better prospect for, for people to come and actually watch again, whereas there was a massive amount of toxicity before. Chris, do you feel as though they've achieved that aim or do you think the results on the pitch have made that almost impossible at this point to get any goodwill? Well, I think it's too easy to, to look at, solely look at things on the pitch and, and judge their reign that way. I think from everybody that I've ever spoke to that's met them face-to-face, being um, Sharon and, and Emma, they're both very, very complimentary. Uh, sorry, everyone says they're, they're very lovely people, you know, and they're always complimentary about what what they've had to, what their interactions have been like. Uh, and it was important for the club to reconnect. I think we all knew that disconnect was was so evident uh, in the last eighteen months of the Kenny era, not only on the on the pitch, but in the stands and out in, and out in the wider world. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So yes, I think that the, the steps they've taken away from the away from the pitch that have been obvious to people have been brilliant. Um, a, a guy I know went on that dinner last week with some of the ex-players uh, from the, the sort of sixties and seventies as a long-serving season ticket holder, and, and just little things like that. Fantastic. I mean been a season ticket all for 20 years I didn't get an invitation a bit disappointing but mm. it, it, they're easy wins aren't they things like that that, that we should be able to help uh, re-engage those that are maybe thinking about it and another important factor would be whatever they decide to to do next season with pricing they've already made the made the decision to keep the top tiers open which I don't particularly agree with myself but that's because I've never sat in the upper tiers I'm sure if I, if I had sat in the upper tiers I'd feel different um We'll see. I think the jury's still out on some things, but I don't think you can deny that their intentions are noble and that they are trying their best to go about things in the right way. And their engagement so far, I think, has been perfectly fine. Um, there'll just be elements where you want more in certain parts of the of the game, and, and maybe that'll come in time as they learn the, as they learn the ropes too, because they're only new to it as well. Yeah, there's a teething period, certainly, and I think the uh, the appointment of Phoenix to be sort of director of football was obviously to try and improve situations on the pitch. I think when it comes to the sort of PR and business acumen, I don't think you can really doubt their credentials. It was just from a footballing perspective, we haven't really mm. seen the fruits of, of their labour yet. No, nope, um, not yet. What, the one question I would like to put to you, gentlemen, as we talk about trying to you know, put bums on seats, try and engage with the fans, do you think that sacking Keith Hill would be the kind of measure that would improve mood around the club and get fans to be thinking, right, I'm ready for this League Two season, James? Uh, if it makes any change, it'll be a very small one, in my opinion, because I think just a lot of fans have been jaded by the relative, relatively poor decade that we've had uh, recently, and it's just jaded a lot of fans, the poor ownership, the poor management, and it, and it, and that's the kind of thing that takes a lot of time to to heal and spring back. Like we were talking about uh, establishing links in the community again, and on the pitch wise, that's only going to be really brought back when some of our own kids get brought through the academy in, in a few years' time and start playing regularly for, Bol for Bolton and getting these kids from grassroots and having them play for us regularly or go on to big money moves uh, that we can really profit of. So I think that's only really going to be a time. Um, we might get a little bit back if we, st if we start off League 2 well and then it looks like we're maybe on for a promotion run. That might get a few bums back in seats, but... For the rest of this season, it's it's probably dead at the level it is. It's I think it's just more about um, establishing at least on the pitch or and for next season what we want to do and how we intend to how we intend to, to carry ourselves into next season. Yeah, Chris, do you think a change of manager would be the kind of thing to improve season ticket sales, or is that a very very small drop in the pond? I mean, you know, it's it's difficult to tell, isn't it? I mean, if you take a a, a poll on on social media, for example, you'd get probably a different answer to a, a poll in the stadium because whilst there's open mutiny online, that there hasn't, in my experience, other than you know the odd bit here and there, been open mutiny on the stands, which you we've had in the past, which is something that managers 
at Wanderers previously have always struggled to, to come back from because that is a very, very much a final straw. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I, the whole thing's just an absolute disappointment upon disappointment, hasn't it? We all had such high hopes in November that we thought things could could be retrieved. And it's just got worse and worse every week to the point where it started to become embarrassing. Um, my, my view has always been that this is this would be a good time to change only because, yeah, a new manager's going to come in and only have the same players to work with and, yeah, confidence is going to be low. But I think for someone like for Football Ventures to look at the potential for somebody to come in now and at least offer a glimmer of hope for next season is the only thing that's going to guarantee season tickets because it's the best will in the world, yeah, we might, we might pace league too. But we're still going to be looking coming up against you know Yeovils and and Barrow potentially. Let's not pretend it's going to be fun. It, it might be it might be an interesting experience on the other way game here and there when you you stood in a shed that's leaking. But <laughs> I'm ultimately, that, Chris. yeah, well, it's probably a bit too busy. Ultimately, ultimately, it's only going to be the prop success or the, the 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 opportunity, the promise of success that's going to bring people back. I think it's gone too far. With Hill, I think even you know a, a scrappy point at home against Accrington or you know a, a late win against Wimbledon, for example, would be would be all right. But it's not going to turn the tide, and um, that's why I, that's my my justification for the time being. Now, granted, yeah. there's, you know I've heard people say, well, a new manager comes in and what happens if he loses twelve on the spin in the remaining uh, remaining fixtures? Personally, I think the risk's worth it because you know if someone can come in and identify players in the outside the current first team squad as being those that we're going to use next season. So the natural inclination will be to start to bring them in. People will no doubt come out and, and think that it's a risk to those players' long-term confidence and future if we do blood them and things go poorly. I think you probably do more bad um, for their development than by not blooding them than by giving them the opportunity to play. Surely that's all they want to do. And yeah, they might if they lose a few games and so be it. But losing five and six and seven hasn't done Darcy any particular harm, hasn't done the likes of... Um, What's his favourite talking about him? Zuma, any particular harm? Granted, that that's not been his decision, but he's he come, comes back into the team and and you know looks like he's had time to sort of reflect and learn upon what he's been through. So I, I don't necessarily buy that as an option either. I think it, it really would be the best opportunity, I suppose, of the entire time now to to do it to 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 pull the trigger, get him out. Yeah, I, I worry. The only thing I would worry about from bringing young players in and then having them go through what they went through at the start of the season would be, yes, you've got the likes of Darcy, Zoomers and Politiches who swam, but I think the rest of them, when you look at the under-23s results, sunk. Uh, I, I think there's a confidence level there where they just expect to go out there and lose 4 or 5 nil, And I don't really see them having, you know, whether or not they had the quality to begin with is a different argument, but I think from a mental perspective, it was quite damaging to them. Um, Mark, I was obviously said on, on the buff, that the reason why he didn't think that Farl was being brought in is because, as a striker, confidence is everything. And if you bring in a lad who's played at Enfield Town, which is nowhere near the level of football that we're playing at currently, even though we'll probably be there in a couple of years, knowing the shambles of Bolton Wanderers, if he ends up going 12 games for the rest of this season without a goal, maybe any possibility of him helping us out in League 2 goes out the window. So... I think, mm. but then you get I you might get to the situation where you never de- you never decide that. When when is when is sorry uh, sorry Tom whenever when is the right time to give somebody a chance? Then you know you, you, I, I heard the, the podcast that Mark put out and I didn't particularly agree with his comment on that one, uh, only because if you don't pull the trigger on on players, then you'll never you'll never know. If we're always worried about what may or may not happen 
then we'll never find out one way or the other and he'll just disappear into nothingness and end up back at Enfield in a couple of years' time, which will be, will be no use to anyone. No, sure. uh, I just, don't, don't, I just think it's worth, worth giving, him a heart, uh, giving him a chance. Possibly. I mean, you're not going to... I mean, Darrell Murphy's not scored what in now? Six games, something like that. So maybe there is an opportunity there to put another striker on who's certainly not Chris O'Grady. I think I think that experiment has run its course now. Um, but, you know, the problem is at the moment, I think we're sort of stuck in basically who's fit and available to be able to come and play for us because we still seem to have a, an injury list that mounts up week after week. Hill was alluding to the fact that we played three games in a week that it was taking his toll on its players and it took its toll enough on Jack Hobbs that he is now going to be going out. Um, James, you were at Blackpool and at Accrington. There was a sort of a difference in uh, formation that we played. I think we started off with a five back against Blackpool and then we reverted back to a four-two-three-one against Accrington. Was it was it obvious to you that there was a, a marked improvement because of that formation that we played or was it personnel? Well, it was only in the first half really that he played that five at the back and we got absolutely torn to shreds because because um, we only really had out wide Jason Law and um, and Joe Bunny to to defend and obviously when you get two sets of players bombing down that wing with their full backs and their wingers you, they were going to get torn to shreds so it was just it just seemed a really strange time to try that formation out although I guess if you're already down I suppose there's nothing wrong with a bit of experimentation but it definitely did not work when he reverted back to his usual 4-2-3-1 in the in the second half there was a marketable improvement which eventually led to Brian's goal and and then he he took it he, t- he learned his lessons from that game and actually brought quite a solid performance out especially in the first half against Accrington in my opinion, so, so yeah. It's the formation, do you think, then? That was the, that was the that was the reason why we managed to put in a better performance. Well, yeah, and plus, plus players like Darren Murphy and Dennis Politic, and especially Joe Dodu against Accrington, they were really benefiting from playing out wide, especially with, especially and Soddy Crawford because he had more space in the middle. Without other players getting in his way, to to do his thing, like in the first half, he was linking up with near enough everyone that wasn't Remy Matthews to get the player forward, it, and it was and it was wonderful to watch. Do you, do you think he's made a, a big difference to us since coming in? Obviously, not necessarily in results, but in performance. Uh, go, going forward, y- yes, yes, I would say so. Because, no, no disrespect to Darcy, but Dar- but Darcy's a bit more inexperienced. He can't find those passes nearly as quickly, or as as Crawford can on some occasions. He he just seems to have a better eye for a quick pass and stuff like that. But that's probably just down more to experience than lack of ability in the case of Darcy. Uh, and in the case I'm comparing Darcy and Crawford, I should say. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, he probably is glad to welcome him back. Um, but. But yeah, I I think we've always really been a team that's that's just needed the width as well. So having even though politics struggled a bit, having the wings out there was just, just better for everyone and just gave us all more different avenues to attack. So, yeah. so I, I, so I, I probably think Joe, Joe Dodie's performance was obviously the most impressive aspect of it, or it certainly was for me. Um, James, obviously you saw the game, but Chris Joe Dodie seems to be a bit of an enigma to me. 
possibly not the kind of player that we're going to be seeing next season. He strikes me as someone who thinks that he's a League One player at least. Would would he be kind of the kind of person that you'd be looking to keep, or is he too inconsistent? Yeah, I think it's, there's many different factors. I mean, I, I've not seen much battle and fight in the lad. I imagine, given where he came from and his pedigree, he's probably you know in the in the top third of the earners as well. And I really don't think that his end product has been sufficient. Um, I mean, there's been comparisons to, <clears throat> excuse me, to the to players like Amiobi, um, in the way that they run. You know, he, he lolls about the pitch and seems to turn it in every now and then. I think that's unfair. I think Amiobi was far more consistent than, than I would agree with was being. I, um, I saw I saw the award in the man of the match to him. Fair enough. I mean, I was I didn't go to the game, so I can't comment. But I did watch the Blackpool game, and and I didn't think he made a particular impact there either. Much in the way that he hasn't really made that much of an impact in the last 15 or 20 games that I can particularly recall since he scored that uh, that belter at home against whoever it was that time. The Burton um, game, yeah, that was a great... He, yeah, it was, it was, it was 10 a, minutes he set up, yeah. the other one as well. He was it, was a cracking, it was a cracking goal. So, who knows? I mean, maybe we'll get... You know, our illustrious goalkeeper was in the paper this, this morning talking about how, at times, players have to play for themselves and for their future in the next move. Maybe we'll see a different Dodo in the coming weeks as he starts to look to... Secure himself a better option than than Wanderers in League Two. Who knows? But on the current evidence, no, he would be very, very far down my list in terms of priorities. Yeah. I think they call that the Johan Elmander school of thinking. The second I'm contract, I suddenly decide that I can score goals rather than be crap as he was for the first two years. Well, if, if he if he does come if he does prove me wrong, then great, absolutely no problem at all. It happens it happens all the time for people that I write off. So so fingers crossed, it does come <laughs> good. Um, I just have my doubts. I'm not going to hold my breath. No, 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 so, so do I. And I think um, he was one of the ones who were candidates for just being shunted out the door because he really hadn't performed for some time. And the, that was the thing about the Accrington game, wasn't it, James? That he seemed to just suddenly spark back into life and be the dodo that we'd seen earlier on in the season. Where yeah. did he play, James? Which position? Um, he started off on the left wing in the first half and then he, put, and then he, and then he was switched to the right for the second half. Okay. He um, faded massively in the second, didn't he? Though that was the thing on the left hand side. Yeah, but yeah, but I th- it was also because um, he did get um, he near near enough every time he started to have the ball, he started to get double marked. Because when he was in the first half, he it was just him marking Callum Johnson, their right back, and he just tore him to shreds. Whether that was Dodo feeding off the confidence from assisting Brian's goal at Blackpool, I've no idea. But it he was a he was playing like a man possessing that first half and they obviously neutralised that threat quite a bit for the second. Yeah, it, it seems to be the way, doesn't it? We don't really have massive amounts of options. You'd hope that maybe someone like with the experience of Crawford could then have taken advantage of the fact that he, spent. he seemed to fade as well and I think it's you know obviously concerning the fact that he uh, just isn't quite up to uh, full fitness yet but we don't have anyone who could replace him so he still had to be left on. I thought that um, Key and Brian and Luke Murphy worked reasonably well in that central midfield, but surely Jason Lowe should have just been playing there and then the Mali back just so you don't have square pegs in round holes, James. Yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, I'd probably argue the, argue the exact same thing. Um, get, let let Keon, Brian and Jason Lowe be the screen be the screens in front of them. Just let the the three really the. Th- or the four really attacking people, I should say, in front of them. Just let them do their work with with Law and Brian very occasionally hopping forward to help them. I, th- I think that's probably the best way to go about this because Luke Murphy, sometimes he sometimes he does make some good passes forward and whatnot, but his defensive work really, really hinders us because he's so bad at it. 
<laughs> no, he, he, it's, it's not his job. That's the thing. I think if you ask anyone to play at Crewe or Leeds or Burton, they, they would have said that he was the kind of person who should be playing Crawford's role, maybe. A bit of a more creative midfielder type. But I, what I don't understand about it is how, yes, Emmanuel seemed to go off the boil quite a lot. And yes, it is, you know, we, we seem to struggle at the back enough as it is without having someone who doesn't really have, you know, that defensive. Um, the defensive capability, but do you not think, Chris, that we just really miss something going forward when he's not in the side? We've got Jason Lowe out there, but he's probably our most competent midfielder. Yeah, we're just not very dynamic. I, you know, I think that there's there's no real pace in the side. That with Linden left, politics our main attacking threat, but he, you know he, he's not particularly pacey. And when he does get on the front foot, he's still a young lad. He's still learning, so he often doesn't make the right decisions. Where we haven't got that backup from the more experienced heads in midfield to 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 offer anything. In that respect, so it's difficult. I'm I'm not expecting Murphy and Lowe to to sort of changing overnight into attacking dynamos when their entire career has been about being steady. Eddie's been six and a half out of ten players every week, which is why the you know the, why they're playing for a team like Bolton and not particularly any higher. Uh, so I think it's unfair to expect any more of them. Uh, I, I don't really think players of that level can can, can sort of surpass it, having spent so long within that kind of funk. Um, you just got to hope, haven't you, that someone can come through, that Darcy can come back to form or uh, sign that contract to get over his injury, whatever the lie is this week, <laughs> and, and and take things forward because otherwise it's just depressing. The whole thing's just depressing. It, it is, it is. The, the Darcy thing, I think we can sort of say with a reasonable degree of confidence now that it's, you know, that there's a contract situation there. I think Hill has made it very clear in, in pretty much every story where he's been asked about it that he's. You know, all he needs to sign his contract. You know, it'd be really great to have him next season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Not really fooling anyone. With that one. Um, we talked about how Zuma is now going to be coming back into the side. That's because of Jack Hobbs picking up another injury. I wonder, and I, I've said this to uh, you in the chat, James, and I think I've said it to you privately as well, Chris. It is a bit odd that we seem to be getting this silly amount of niggly injuries because they're playing three times in a week when actually we had a fairly large rotation of personnel. Do you think? Do you think this is just? You know, a, a habit of a team that didn't really have a pre-season, or do you think this is a criticism we could lay at Hill's door again, Chris? Well, I think in the light, in the evidence of Hobbs, it's been his entire career, hasn't it? So I, I don't particularly think it's fair to blame Hill or the training methods or anything for for that. And sometimes, you know, teams just go through a spell where they're unlucky, aren't they, with injuries? And and I, I do wonder whether there's anything more in depth than that. Harking back to what I said at the start of the podcast, ordinarily, would we care about? Training methods would we think that pre-season makes that much difference? Now we're in what February and they've been playing twice a week for six, seven months. I don't know. I think it's an easy excuse. Um, I just think that we we struggle with signing players who aren't wanted elsewhere, and part of the reason for that could be poor injury records, poor fitness records, and so then should we really be surprised when that flares back up again? Possibly. I, well, I, I, I mean, sorry, mate, go on. No, sorry, the, the thing with this is, and the re another reason why it sort of cropped up into my head and I completely forgot about it until now, is uh, Liam Edwards' injury. How, how is how is a man breaking, uh, what is it, he bust his patella or something like that? It, uh, I think he I, broke I, his kneecap or something. Broke yeah, his kneecap, so, which, yeah. So what are you doing in training when that means that can happen to someone? Honestly. Isn't that the same injury that Buckley, I think it's the same injury that Buckley suffered as well earlier on in the season. Exactly. So, so, so was he telling them to go in knee high on the... God. <laughs> It's, it's, I don't know. It's impossible to know without being there on the training ground. And I just, I think you've got no choice but to put it down just to a phenomenal absence of, of any sort of luck whatsoever on and off the pitch. 
We've never really had that with injury records, to be fair, have we? Knees. It's bloody knees every single time. I mean, how many, how many, you know, cruciate ligament injuries can we count of of players that we've had in the last ten years or something like that? I mean, for goodness' sake. I mean, even before then, Ricardo had about three, didn't he? Something, something about Exton or uh, Lost Stock that is not good for someone's knees. I mean, right. who knows? Maybe I, I would. I would imagine the club had done studies into that sort of thing. You know what the surface is like, what the sort, the how soft or hard the soil is. You know, they'd be questioned about the the stretching, the, the the twisting and turning that they do. Sometimes it's just pure pure bad luck. I'm sure it is. We've been at it for quite some time, and it doesn't look like stopping, does it? Really. Oh, right. Uh, we can move on. I think now to uh, some of the Twitter questions that we've had. And uh, Eddie put it out earlier today. And the main topic of conversation is which people do we think we are likely to keep, or who would we want to keep? I think I'll ask it in two different ways. Who, in an ideal world, do you think we could keep, James? And then afterwards, who do you think is the most realistic? Maybe maybe give like four for each one if you can. Right. So 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 what is it? Four for realistic and four for who we'd want. Yes. Right, so who I'd want. Um, uh, I, de- I definitely want to keep um, Jason Law. I'm just trying to remember everyone who's out of contract now. So, yeah, Jason Law. Everyone, James. Everybody is out of contract. It's probably easier to remember who's in contract than out yeah. of contract. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> um, uh, Jason Law. Um, Zuma. Uh, let's see. Emmanuel. And... Uh, Crawford. Yep. Yeah. And the re- the realistic ones. Realistic ones. I think two. I th- I, don't, I think Law's realistic, but we'll see. I'm not Mark sure. I think that he was realistic in the week, which surprised me. You know, apparently he seemed to put the question to him where he said that you know because of how local he is and maybe there's not any offers on the table, he seems to think he'd do a job for us in League Two, which really really shocked me. To be honest, I would have thought there'd be right. someone sniffing around. Well, well, he probably wants to stay local because he, he is an ambassador for local charities. He, he's all, he's pretty much, except for his one year at Birmingham, he's pretty much always been in and around the northwest. And he's captain of our club, and he's near enough guaranteed regular game time whenever he's fit. So I don't know. Other than financially, I don't know why you wouldn't want to stay in if if all that works in your favour. But anyway, uh, yeah, there was also the same. I'm not sure as I'm not definitely not certain about Crawford whether it's certain it sounds like in his interview he might entertain the idea but whether it's realistic or not I have no idea um, Zuma is is probably all dependent on him and his relationship with the manager or whatever so we'll see um, but yeah realistic I think most of the realistic ones have already been signed up the likes of Brockbank, Edwards, Politic etc yeah, they've probably all been signed up. Uh, Remy might want to stay if he wants to play regular. He obviously recently he had his interview today about it, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't know. I I read that as someone who probably is not going to be here next season. To be honest, I would agree. Yeah, mm. I'm not I'm not too disheartened by that. To be honest, I I, I imagine there are, there's goalkeepers out there at the end of the day. Yeah, we'll see. I mean. I don't know. Obviously, he made the move up here last season, coming all the way from Norwich, even staying during the whole financial market. So maybe you want to make something of it, but I suppose that's only speculation at that point. We'll see. Um, realistically, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. You guys were talking about Dodu, but I think he'd actually want to stay because this, this, this might, this might surprise you, but. Um, 
this currently at Bolton, he's already had the most appearances, like first team appearances, than he has for any other club he's played for. So that pro. But then that, he's also moved around. He's moved around loads, hasn't he, in his career? So who's to say? He's that, had one or two low know, spells while he was at Leicester. But that's when he was like 18, 19. He's one of those, yeah, one of those players that moves around a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and then then it was at Rangers where they always have overinflated squads anyway, so it's not a surprise you couldn't get in there. But yeah, didn't, didn't yeah. seem to rip any trees at Blackpool. I would say League One is probably his level, to be honest. I, I think there would be someone who'd look at what he's done for us, maybe go to Keith Hill for recommendation and and take a punt on him. I, I can't see him staying with us, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think I think he'll just want to go where he's where he's guaranteed regular game time, and I think he is guaranteed it somewhat here, so he might want to stay with that regard. But we'll see. Um, I don't know really anyone else is realistic. I mean, Chris O'Grady's probably realistic, but I wouldn't keep him. If Chris O'Grady stays, I'm not renewing my season tickets. He's done. Absolutely done. <laughs> it's not worth my time. It really I isn't. I wouldn't blame you, to be honest. <laughs> but... Chris, who are, you, who are you thinking? Who, who, who are your realistic ones and who are your in a well, ideal world ones, or I presume you've got no ideal world ones knowing you. No, no, no. There's a very, very, very shallow pool isn't it I think realistic Connor Hall because he's going to stay until the end of time anyway and he probably will never play <laughs> for the club in, in any sort of circumstance whatsoever um, if we could get some, I think someone like Hamilton is probably a realistic one because his contract's up at United he hasn't really done a great deal at Wanderers so far but that's not to say that's he wouldn't that's been very kind that is me being very diplomatic. I think that there's nothing in there to, <laughs> there's a player in there I think we saw on his debut he's got a lot of, a lot of great attributes much in the way that we saw with, with Williams the season before last, or last season, whenever it was, when he started off like a house on fire, yeah, and he dipped off, but you know, there's a player in there, so who knows, under different management, maybe be able to get, someone will be able to get a tune out of him. That's a very Craw- good analogy. Yeah, Crawford, I can maybe, you know, I, I haven't really seen enough of him, I'll be honest with you, he, he was, he, he, I, I missed the first few games of the season because I was on holiday, then he got injured, and then I, I've not seen him much since he came back, so... I'll say Crawford due to the sort of mystery factor. I'm not down with Jason Lowstein. I'm sure he's a lovely man, but we shouldn't be doing anyone a favour. And he has let us down far too many times in the past. Um, and then just pick any of the youngsters who were there at the start of the season. Pick any of them and I'd be quite happy with all them. rest of them can, can do one, to be honest, as far as I'm concerned. Not bothered in the slightest about Matthews. I think he's, he's part of that whole strike action. Instant sort of cross against his name, questions about his temperament, about his form even, um, are plentiful. And like you said, goalkeepers are like full-backs. You know, you can just get them. There's loads out there. It doesn't really matter. don't need to come up with names at this minute in time. Um, he'll probably think he can get a deal at a, a club at a higher level. So good luck to him. Let, him. let him go and try that. Can't imagine he's one of the highest earners either. So I, I bet he would be one they would try to keep, but I'm not going to lose any sleep if he leaves. Um, and then I suppose you've only got Brockbank, Fall, Edwards and Delaney as those contracted for next season and politic. Yeah. Um, let, you know, let, let's see what they can do. Let's give them a chance. This is the thing. I think, I think Emmanuel is the one that you mentioned, James. Again, I'd like, I, I, I'm a big fan of his, rightly or wrongly. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for someone who, who is as good as going back as he is. I, I completely agree with people who say he's poor defensively. He is poor defensively, but... A little bit of excitement when I'm watching Bolton never goes amiss, does it? And I think he provides a little bit of that spark. 
Mm. I wouldn't be trying to... I mean, Joe Bunny seems to be Keith Hill's mate and Joe Bunny is probably a very capable performer at League 2 level, so maybe that's the kind of route we'd go down. But Yeah, yeah. Joe Bunny's well, also um, a, nor- a North West lad as well, so that's probably another reason he'd want to stay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but what we've had in terms of responses from Gareth Hume, he said, keep Matthews, Emmanuel, Zuma, Lowe, Dodu, Darcy, Graham, Senior, Crawford, and bring back Chickson. And Chris Merrills has basically said the exact same thing. So there seems to be a bit of love out there for Senior and Graham. I know that you were talking about wanting to have uh, the kids coming back and playing, but do you really think we've seen Sonny Graham show anything to us, Chris, that he's got anything to offer at League Two level? Not for me, certainly. Well, I'd, I'd rather... Well, you're probably right on, on you know in the overall state of things, but I think given his age and given what Luke Murphy is, if we're going to use a direct comparison, I would 100% rather give youth a chance. Might work, might not work, but let's let's do that. Let's not keep making the same mistakes that we've made in previous years of holding on to players just because we're, we're worried about what the alternative might be. If they're not good enough or if they've not played well enough over the time, get pot, uh, pot them off. I can well imagine Luke Murphy, given his CV, is one of the higher earners in the squad, so I would be absolutely astonished if he stays. Um, mm-hmm. But well, if it's not Graham, it might be someone else. It might be Regan Riley. You know, it could be anybody. We're just... We're just don't need to be afraid of the unknown, and I think that's what we've been guilty of in the in the past few years. I'm the kind of person who would like to stick with what I know, and the two other two suggestions that you've got from both Gareth and Chris is bring back Adam Chickson. James, where do you stand on that? Uh, I'm very much for it. You you know how big of a fan of Chickson I was, especially after watching how very poor Andy Taylor was the season prior. It was just nice mm. to have a fullback who he wasn't the greatest defender in the world, but he, but he didn't really need to be. Plus, he could actually carry the ball forward as well, and he was linking up well with the players around him. So I was a very big fan. And if he's still not found a club by the time of summer, I'd certainly look at bringing him back if possible. Yeah, it was the kind. It, it was one that I didn't understand. I, I kind of see where you're coming from, Chris. Where you say that fullbacks aren't the most important, but I still have these visions of Paul Robinson basically getting us relegated really by being targeted by people. And having a competent fullback, I think, adds a decent balance to the side, which I think he lacked uh, ever since he's gone. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Brandon Fleming is a trier, but I just thought with Chickson there was a level of experience there which made him a bit more of a better option. And if he'd take us, I'd certainly have him in League Two. But I think we do need to be looking at other positions, possibly more, um, given more importance. The other one that we've not really talked about, boys, is Daryl Murphy, whether or not he would be the kind of person who'd give us a shot at League Two level. What do you reckon, Chris? Uh, I think his legs and his wages probably preclude him. Um, uh, it's difficult because you know we haven't really had many goal scorers in recent years, have we? And there's no doubt that Murphy is is, is definitely a goal scorer, and that they are few and far between. But questions about other parts of his game, questions about whether he'd be able to see out another forty odd game season. Um, you know, with with the right backup and with the right support, then yeah, absolutely, because I think you know his experience and his quality would be invaluable. But I would be a little bit worried if he was starting the season as first choice, only because of his age. And I can imagine that if he's struggling with the physical demands of League One, what it would be like in League Two when he's 12 months older and the players are that much more rugged in that division. Yeah, true. He's he's managed to stay fit in the main for for most of this time. But I think I agree with you. The reason why he's managed to stay fit is because he's not exactly been putting himself about as much as... You know, Medine or someone would actually do probably well. Medine's probably a bad example, but you know what I mean. You put someone up front who's a big striker. You look at Daryl Murphy, you think target man. He's he's certainly not that. 
I, I wonder um, if um, you know you talk about Connor Hall, whether or not that's a kind of a style change that we might go to next season. A more quicker striker who's better with interchanging play. But I, I think that could be the kind of style that we try and play next season, especially if Politic and Darcy stay. Yeah, I think that depends on who's the manager. I, I don't think I think Connor Hall's ship sailed for Hill. Um, no, I, I, I think I think the Connor Hall ship sailed when he didn't. When he wasn't fit to start those games at the start of the season, I still yeah, that was his chance. That, that, that was his opportunity. Yeah, we've got we've got Fall as his replacement anyway. If he gets game time next season, so that so you can use him if you want to play that style anyway. I know. I mean, I mean, the thing is, we said this on the last podcast. We're fishing in a in a pond here where we don't really know what players are going to be available. Yes, we're going to have to sort of you know buy, borrow, and steal. But um, we don't really know what's available at League Two level from a freebie perspective, and I think. Maybe that's a reason why people would want to keep Keith Hill, because he kind of does know that level and know what kind of fish is it. Sorry, what kind of players are around? But do we trust his recruitment? That's the that's the question I put to you, James. Do 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 we see him as the kind of person who's able to pick out a player who can do us a job based on what you've seen from him so far in the kit? Well, it's certainly been very mixed so far. Cause, um, it it seems like sometimes he doesn't truly know what style he wants to play yet or, or I don't think he's entirely sure of what style he wants to play at that moment in time which is a far cry from how it was the first few games when when we were obviously passing it about playing it around and all that sort of stuff so wonder whether his thought process has changed and or he's trying to get all sorts of options to play all sorts of different styles I have no idea but I don't know the thing is, I can't really pull any names because, like, like, like we were saying, we don't really know League Two that well. So, so who knows who we could bring in that would have the similar knowledge of that level, or, where, or whether we should revamp the scouting systems to so we know that that level better, or recruit more from non-league and try and try and build them up a la Peterborough and make some for ourselves that way. No, I, th- I think going down the uh, non-league route would be certainly a, a useful one. You look at Danny Rowe at Oldham now, he's you know the wrong side of 30, I believe, and he still seems to be scoring goals for them at a League 2 level. So I, th- I think there's certainly merit in that idea. Uh, just going to end it tonight, boys, with asking you, next weekend we've got AFC Wimbledon. It seems as though that Hill is under pressure. If those rumours are to be believed, do you think if we go down there, and take a bit of a battering, maybe something like three plus, that he will be unemployed following that game. Chris, I'll come to you first. Uh, well, I, w- I would certainly hope so, but then again, I've been expecting it for the last six weeks, and, and nothing's really happened. So I- I'm not going to hold my breath. I mean, there's been some changes I know at the club over the last few days with the coaching staff in the academy, where they've moved a few of the long-standing coaches on. So whether that's anything to do with Hill's criticism of them or whether that's Football Ventures finally or Peter Kenyon even, who knows, starting to, to make a few moves behind the scenes and, and get the football operations side of thing up and running. Don't yes. know. So maybe we are maybe we are starting to see the start of a, you know, a decisive period in the season for, for Hill. Don't know. But I think a, a defeat would feel inevitable given how poor we've been away from home all season. That's true. It's good that you mentioned that, Chris, actually, because we just had a Twitter question from Roy, which actually relates to this subject. He's asked, what's happening in the academy with the manager and coaches? Are they a happy bunch or have they been ostracised? So I think maybe someone's got wind of, of the same thing that you have. I, I would certainly say that I think they've been ostracised by Keith Hill since he walked into the club. No doubt. Um, I mean, it's it's 
a hangover, I guess, maybe from the time when you know David Lee perhaps thought he was in, in with a shout of getting the job. He was very vocal in his criticism about Parkinson, which rubbed a few people up the wrong way and, and seemed a little bit out of character for, for a sort of a fairly quite an unassuming fella. Um, whether he's seen his arse since and other people have followed, I don't know. But I'd, regardless of your, your thoughts on, on Hill and people like that, I think it's, it's, it's undeniable that the results have been poor at that level. No, certainly they have. James, bad result this coming weekend. Is Hill gone for you? Uh, he should he should be because if you don't because I know I know some of the fans didn't agree with me that the Accrington game was 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 a pretty good performance, but I thought it was. But and if he doesn't build on that, then then you then you can just say no, he's not able to get any consistency out of our players, or he's not able to get any consistent performances together, even when. We don't really have anything to anything to lose at this point, so no. So yeah, he should go for me. Whether he will is, I think, is just purely down to more of a financial thing, or or whether they think they'll lose enough fans keep keeping Hill for next season or whatever. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that is certainly one to look at, especially when you consider that it seemed as though Parkinson his time had run its course at Bolton and people were saying they weren't going to renew while he was still in charge. I'm not necessarily sure based on the numbers uh, that we've seen at the Macron this season or whatever it's called now, uh, with uh, whether or not that made an an awful amount of difference. So who knows whether it would do with Hill. But anyway, lads, I I agree with you. I think he should go if we get a poor result. I think we will get a poor result. This is a team fighting for their lives and we certainly are not fighting for their lives anymore, certainly not from what I've seen. But I think that is all for this podcast. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We have tried to get ourselves back into a regular routine. Hopefully, we'll be covering uh, two more games after in, in the next podcast. We were thinking of doing possibly a preview series, and certainly let us know on Twitter in the comments uh, when this comes out, if that would be something you'd be interested in. But if there is nothing left to say, boys, I think it's time to say goodbye. So, say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. And it's goodbye from me, Selavi.